Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Madeline Fox. Today is Friday, July 14th. Coming up, two Kansas teams will compete this weekend in the Granny Basketball National Championships. The league's director says the game is catching on with the 50-plus set. Gosh, we're just getting contacts all the time from new women wanting to join the league. They hear about Granny Basketball. They want to learn more. And for one elite violinist who's traveled the globe making music, there's nothing quite like returning home to Kansas City. It means the world to be able to come back to perform. For my hometown, I grew up here. It's so green, it's so beautiful, everyone's so friendly. But first, some headlines. Kansas City residents can now get a municipal ID to access certain city services, even if they don't have a traditional ID like a driver's license or passport. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. The Kansas City Health Department will manage the Fountain Card, which will be free and available to all ages. City Council voted 10 to 1 to approve the program. The card will help people access library cards, water services, and community centers. Like a U.S. passport, the Fountain Card will be valid for 10 years for adults and 5 years for minors. Residents will need documents proving their identity and showing they live in Kansas City to apply for a Fountain Card. Panasonic's electric vehicle battery plant in Kansas may receive nearly $8 billion in government incentives. That's double the $4 billion the company is investing in the DeSoto factory. Analysis by the government accountability group Good Jobs First shows the company could earn $6.8 billion in federal incentives for producing renewable energy batteries. That's on top of the more than $1 billion Kansas and local governments are offering. Jacob Witten of Good Jobs First says it's rare for federal incentives to exceed the company's investment. It certainly calls into question the necessity of that state and local package in light of the generosity of of the federal credit. State officials promised the new plant would create up to 4,000 new jobs and help boost the local economy. Kansas City Council members voted yesterday to increase their own salaries by 15 percent, along with those of the mayor and some city employees. But as KCUR's Noah Zahn reports, most council members won't be sticking around to enjoy the pay raise. Beginning August 1st, Mayor Quentin Lucas's salary will rise to $163,000 a year, although he is far from the highest paid city official. Pay for council members, who are considered part-time employees, will rise to 82000 Municipal and housing court judges will also see salary increases. The ordinance, which passed 11 to 1, marks the first raise for city officials since 2019. All five council members who were re-elected to office voted in favor of a raise. Stick with us. We'll be right back. You listen to this podcast every day because it's your KC local reliable news source. You take us seriously. But you know, we like to get down and we want you to party with us. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive.
two women's basketball teams from Kansas will play this weekend for a national championship. Greg Eklund explains for KCUR that the title runs come at an age when many of the players have declared themselves off their rockers. It's called Granny Basketball. And though you don't actually have to be a grandma to play, women do need to be 50 years or older. Many of the players never had a chance to join a team in high school back before Title IX transformed women's sports. Others are here to revive good memories from yesteryear. Both Kansas contenders, the Cougars and the Sunflowers, practice in Olathe, but the teams had their final tune-ups a couple weeks ago at the Iowa Senior Games in West Des Moines. One, two, three. Let's play! One of the Sunflowers players is Michelle Clark of Barrington, outside Topeka. She's also executive director of the Granny Basketball League, a national nonprofit founded in 2005. Clark says more teams are being formed each year. Gosh, we're just getting contacts all the time from new women wanting to join the league. They hear about Granny Basketball, they want to learn more, um, and they want to be a part of it. So we try to connect them with teams in their area. Clark retired from the healthcare industry and is on the Granny Basketball Board of Directors. Each of them, from Kansas, Iowa, and Texas, invest their time as volunteers. There's no paid staff whatsoever, so sometimes I'll burn the midnight oil getting things done, like a newsletter getting out to folks, but, um, but it's just such a pleasure to work with everyone and um, try to keep it simple. Granny Basketball has now played in 10 states. Kansas has nine teams, trailing only Iowa, which has 14. Tammy Aggie will be playing for a Des Moines team at the national tournament. She played high school ball at the now-closed St. Mary's in Independence, Missouri. Back then, the team was one of the most talked-about girls' teams in Kansas City. It was kind of so, so fun and exciting, um, not only for you know us as a team, but the whole school and the community. St. Mary's advanced to the 1984 state tournament with a 29-0 record before losing in the semifinals. And Aggie was bred on their fast-break style. But Granny Basketball has played six-on-six, six, with two players from each team required to stay in their third of the court. Yeah, it was a little transition, a, a lot of learning uh, I had to do in that first year and a half, and can't hit the, steal the ball, you know, all those kind of things. In a nod to tradition, the Grannies play their games in basketball pennies with long shorts and socks, and jersey tops that look like something a sailor would wear. After adjusting to the granny rules, Aggie started to appreciate the social aspect of the sport as well. It's just kind of fun as we uh, travel uh, to a couple different tournaments and see the teams you're around, you, you grow to be these friendships um, from afar. Defending their granny basketball national title this weekend in Iowa are the Cedar Rapids Sizzlers. The team's coach, Diana Marker, says competition is getting stiffer because of growth in areas like Kansas City. So why are more women playing? Women are feeling empowered to do what, what they really enjoy. I think that's it. That women are thinking, so what if I'm 50? I can still do this. Next year's national tournament will be played in Kansas City, Kansas. 
Tammy Aggie is already looking forward to a homecoming. I do. I venture down there probably about once a month, every couple months, and, you know, some of my high school peeps, we still get together and, and do things together. Aggie's Des Moines team struggled at the Iowa Senior Games. Unlike the days when her high school team dominated, Aggie says these grannies can play. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Greg Eklund. There are musical families, and then there are musical families. And one of those elite musical families calls Kansas City home. Violinist Maria Udenich, whose parents are world-renowned pianists and educators, grew up in Overland Park. Classical Casey's Brooke Knoll spoke with Maria about being in such a musically inclined family and the release of her debut album. Maria Udenich, a bona fide violin prodigy well before her teen years, still found time for normal kid stuff growing up around Kansas City. It felt so natural growing up, surrounded by my parents playing, you know, all the time or teaching. So I was hearing music always, always in the house. And I think through that, it became the most natural thing to grow up with. So there was never really any separation or conflict between how I am as like, you know, an 11-year-old. Um, And then my musical life, it was all sort of intertwined. When I was 16, I had to, like, really choose what I was going to do for the rest of my life. And, you know, that's when it was a question. Before, it was part of my life, and it was beautiful, and I'm really grateful to have started when I was three, you know. After success in several international competitions and studies at the Curtis Institute of Music and New England Conservatory, Udenich has growing international fame. The 28-year-old has performed with great orchestras across America and Europe. But she loves coming back to Kansas City to perform and just to hang out. It means the world to be able to come back to, to perform. For my hometown, I grew up here. I, I loved it. I went to Barstow. I'm a lifer at Barstow. And there's a special magic in growing up in the suburbs. That's that's where I grew up, in Overland Park, because it's so green. It's so beautiful. Everyone's so friendly. Um, and there's this this feeling where, that you can really hone your craft in, in such a place. Udenich's debut album, released in March, is called Songbird. It represents her instrumental take on beautiful songs. So, does she sing? Definitely don't sing. It's terrible. I memorized like some Ella Fitzgerald songs because they're my favorite, but oh, no. <laughs> it's really bad. She lets her violin do the singing on the album, but great vocal music is a Udenich family tradition. We took a few road trips when I was growing up, and all the time they would put on the most gorgeous arias. <laughs> so it was, again, it was part of my growing up. It was really natural, and my father would always say, you know, I'm so jealous of the violin because you can really sing like the human voice. And that always stayed with me. The album features works by well-known composers such as Peter Tchaikovsky and Robert Schumann, but also composers deserving of more attention, like Amy Beach, Clara Schumann, Nadia Boulanger, and Fanny Mendelssohn. I'm not really trying to make some sort of a major statement like, oh, here are four women composers that I've programmed on this album because they are women. I think these are incredible pieces of music that we should all know who happen to be written by women. And the reason I don't really want to make it a statement because we see so many performative acts of of these sorts of statements. Um, And I really think that 
underappreciated composers should be part of our repertoire so naturally. With her burgeoning success, Udenich hopes to inspire other young kids around the world and in her hometown. I mean, this is so cliche, but follow what you love, because if you put your love into everything you do, it's going to be meaningful for at least one person, which is you. And that is, I think, what life is about, right? To really give your all for something. And in terms of music, the meaning of music for me is to share it with others. So that's the next step, right? You, you figure out what you love, you devote you know, all your emotions, all your being to it, and then you figure out a way to share it. And I think that's the most beautiful thing. So if you have a chance to share your passion with others, do it, do it, do it. That was violinist Maria Udenich speaking with Classical KC's Brooke Knoll. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Madeline Fox. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin and KCUR Studios. It's edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hollywood writers are obsessed with the concept of an asteroid heading towards Earth and destroying civilization. But is this something we really should be worried about? I'm Kate the Chemist, and on my podcast, Seeking a Scientist, we meet the mastermind behind a real-life mission to divert the path of an asteroid. Subscribe to Seeking a Scientist, made possible by the Starris Institute.